Everybody, welcome to the Road to World Football Show. It is week six, and myself, Patrick Darty, Danny Carter, and Kyle Dvorak are here to preview every game, except for, of course, the Thursday night game, because that will have already happened by the time you hear the show. And boy, what a comeback by the Broncos! Yeah, they loved it. They lost by twenty-eight points, probably. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about the Vikings at the Bears. The Vikings adjusting to life without Kirk Cousins. The Panthers going down to South Florida as two touchdown dogs in the blistering heat where the Dolphins stand you in the death sun on the visitor sideline the whole game. The Cowboys, the Chargers, some of the big games of the week. A lot of, a lot of really good stuff. We're going to break down every game, but one team not playing this week is the Green Bay Packers. And just before we came on air, you guys sounded a little shaken, maybe disturbed by A.J. Dillon's bi-week behavior of playing Farm Simulator. Now, is this because you're both the city slickers – you have no idea what real America is. You've never held a pitchfork in your hand, or is this we've never held the keyboard that's holding the virtual pitchfork. To be yeah. clear, <laughs> true. Actually, he is uh, running a digital farm, not a real farm. Yeah, I was going to say yes. We we are talking about a video game of farming. Are we not? See, I, I'm totally unfamiliar. You know, as a as a as an older millennial, Kyle, what what is what is this? What was AJ Dillon playing? What is farming quite- simulator? It is quite literally. I've never played, but I have seen clips of uh, various farming simulators. It's exactly what you would think it it would be. He is slowly driving a large uh, piece of farming equipment over what looks like fields of wheat to harvest them. And I think you can set like marks for like efficiency or overall volume. It's is it's exactly what you would think it'd be. Imagine the funniest in that it's very simple and you're actually doing farming jobs the funniest farming simulator you can think of. That's exactly what it is. This is what a, what AJ Jones probably like 25, 26. Like he's gotta be pretty close to my age. This is what we imagine farming is like. You sit down on your keyboard and you control the little farming equipment from your keyboard, you eat Doritos and you call it a day. I really just want to know, is he good at it? Cause I don't care that he's spending his, actually it's probably a good thing that he's spending his time off. They have a bye week uh, you know, touching virtual grass, touching virtual hay, <laughs> No, it's, it's probably not. good, but only if he's good at it. It's not good. This isn't he, good. What you, he's gonna have like he, he's, he's gonna have an allergic reaction if he actually gets out there. That's why that's why a lot of teams play on turf, of course, is you don't want 22 year olds touching real grass. There's pollen out there. There's like snakes <laughs> in the fields and stuff. I certainly, as someone who also has a job that spans the football season that I have to be like present for, and then I get time off at the end of it. I'm not going outside. I don't know why he would. He spent two Bitcoin on the most sophisticated digital combine he could buy. Um, and do either of you guys, real quick, uh, have you ever heard the phrase brush hog? Do you know what a brush hog is? Oh, yeah. No, no. See, never. Denny's, oh. never been <laughs> Denny's never been outside. A brush hog is just kind of like a large farm lawnmower, Denny, that uh, uh, cuts the brush. I've never seen a farm. So I, very, uh, very, yeah. Denny, it's very, very high T instrument. Uh, but we'll be moving on to the highest T football, the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings meet up in the first game of the post Jefferson, Justin Jefferson age with the Vikes serving as modest road favorites on the windy shores of Lake Michigan, Denny Carter. We'll talk yeah. about Minnesota in a second, but let's begin with the white hot Justin Fields. Is he going to deliver in another smash spot? That's been the thing about him getting really hot. Past oh, it's two real bad teams. Uh, well, what do you what do you think about that? Like, well, there's another one this week. Uh, what's he going right. to do? The Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. 
sometimes quarterbacks play against bad teams. I think that is one thing we have to come to grips with. And if they do well against them, it still counts. Um, you know, I, I, I think we also have to remember that. Now, the thing, the difference between what Justin Fields has done over the last two weeks and what he did last year um, is that there's no rushing in, in the current iteration of him going off. And the way I say no rushing, I mean a little, okay? What so you really had, mean is no touch rushing touchdowns is most. Well, but, but no, but, but well, not designing no, nearly as many attempts yeah. for him either. I think in the past two weeks, like last week, he got five design attempts, which was a season high, and that was not even what he was averaging over the second half of the season last year. Like it was good. It's good to see that they gave him a little more work, but last year, as Denny were pointing out, was like his legs were the entirety of the offense. It was the focal point, the start, yeah. and the beginning. And this is different. Go ahead. Right. And, and yeah, so he's, he's tearing it up through, through the air. I was reading uh, a, a bears beat writer for the athletic talking about how the team feels like he's processing things uh, better. He's making better, quicker decisions in the passing game. So that's, that's good. You know, when you look at overall, Justin Fields uh, is ranks 20th overall in uh, completion rate over expected. Okay. That's for the whole season. But if you narrow it down to the last two weeks, He's behind only Tua and Purdy in and co- uh, completion rate over expected. So he's he's you know been really accurate. He's really targeting obviously DJ Moore heavily and Cole Komet. Um, I I I think that it's possible he he turned a, a corner as a passer. I think he was kind of turning that corner against Kansas City, but things got so out of hand that that he actually had to come out of that game, I believe. And the oh, and he got he got hurt. He, he actually did he did get hurt in that game. Well, in that game, too, like you said, he had like a 70-yard touchdown to DJ Moore in that game that DJ Moore yeah. just declined not to just drop yeah. it. I didn't even think that was my I didn't even think that was my game. But yeah, he had like deep right. I don't That's think it would have right. been a touchdown, That's but right. really perfect, like over the shoulder. Only DJ Moore can get it. DJ Moore yeah. is very sure-handed, and but this one just slips between both of his hands. Then a few plays later, he had a really good throw to Chase Claypool, where it's a hard catch to make. But it looks like he threw it only where Claypool could get it deep middle of the field. So it's like a very high reward. And as far as the throw was, not as risky. And Claypool doesn't come, come down with it either. I, I think to your point, Denny, there were throws in that game, even though the stat line does not show it, right. where there was some juice there. There was really some life there. And now we've actually gotten them to come down. Well, we haven't gotten them. Chase Claypool is not on the team anymore. We've gotten say, break down, ch- Break down Chase Claypool for the Bears this weekend real quick. Well, it's about the same as his outlook was previously. So it's a good point. Uh, with Justin Fields, by the way, he did benefit a little bit from DJ Moore almost in real time stealing the soul of a 160 pound corner, Emmanuel Forbes for the commanders. Yeah. I think I might need to bulk up yeah. a little bit. Might, might need to stop drafting small players. That's one my, my Twitter head. joke that I'm going to recycle on Emmanuel Forbes is that he needs to gain a freshman 115. Yeah. freshman 15 it's it's one thought it is but one the, thought. But the you, vikings you know horrible pass defense yeah, yeah you know what though i have to say uh emmanuel forbes had some exciting plays in college and that's all ron rivera cares about so. that's all that matters but um, we like justin fields against the minnesota vikings they've been yeah. bleeding fantasy production kyle the other side where there's more questions no justin jefferson for at least four weeks his entire camp is like leaking to every national reporter i don't know if he's mm-hmm. gonna come back uh, we'll just have to see. I don't know. That depends on how it's how it's feeling. Uh, telegraphing a pseudo holdout until he gets paid, or until I don't know something until he's actually healthy. But are, everyone's focusing on Jordan Addison. Is it too crazy of a take for me to think that maybe Jordan Addison's role won't even really change that much? And the Vikings have quite literally said KJ Osborne is sliding in to Justin Jefferson's vacated X spot. 
And are, are people getting a little too excited about Jordan Addison and maybe sleeping on KJ Osborne? I think to your point that the role for Jordan Addison in the sense of how his team is, is using him probably won't change as much as KJ Osborne's will change where he is going from what was like the traditional flanker and an offense that it's X receiver was the sun and the moon, every part of the passing attack to now he is playing that role, but there's a difference between the role and the usage Osborne's usage will tick up, but the role is not like, Oh, Justin Jefferson's role. It's Justin Jefferson is great. And this is the role he plays. It's two parts of the equation. He will assume that role. And I think he'll like, for me, I'm going to have him ranked as a top 36 receiver. And that is a big uptick from where I had him previously. We saw even last week that as soon as Justin Jefferson goes down, KJ Osborne set season highs and targets per route run and target share. Uh, TJ Hawkinson set a season high in targets per route run. Everyone, you know, except for the offense as a whole benefits from Justin Jefferson, not earning a target on such a high clip of his routes. But I do think if the team wants to actually do their best to make up for the loss of Jefferson, that has to run through Addison. Cause we know what KJ Osborne is. He is like a solid flanker receiver who probably understands the X role quite well, but he can't dominate targets. He can't make huge plays in the way that Justin Jefferson does. Neither can Jordan Addison, but if anyone is going to make strides towards making it up, it has to be Addison. It has to be the first round rookie who's an elite college producer. Jefferson, it's, it's not going to be replaced. Like it just cannot. But Addison, I think is the big beneficiary in terms of if someone steps up to save this offense, because it needs saving Jefferson's for my money, clearly the best non-quarterback, like most valuable in the NFL. If someone is going to keep the ship going, it has to be Addison stepping up in a major way. Do totally agree with that. I do. The, the targets are going to filter down to everyone. Even Alexander Madison, I think have shored him up a little bit as an RB2. Danny, do you have a thought there? Are we ready to move on to DJ Moore? Based on vibes, I'm going to say Jordan Addison goes ballistic with Jefferson out. I see the vibes are everyone hinting at KJ Osborne. I feel like I mean, I think the vibes are not, hinting at KJ Osborne's role changing because I'm sure without dude, a doubt, it's not just the role he, more about the offense. KJ Osborne is the, the consummate system knower. He has known yeah, sure. this system. The coaches <laughs> absolutely love him. People know, seem to keep forgetting he had at least 50 catches each of the past dude. two years. He's not good. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> he actually is good. He's good for what he is. He's solid. Yeah, but, he's solid. Uh, but I think to some degree, targets have to be earned. You can scheme some targets and you can put players yeah. in positions to earn targets, but that can only go so far. You have to actually go out there and consistently beat another corner, beat him quickly and get your quarterback to get you the ball. KJ Osborne is not that kind of player to the degree that Jordan Addison can be. Can be is the, the point. If you have sure, Addison. Like if, if Jordan Addison isn't as good as we think he can be, then the offense just completely implodes. And it's still going to take a big hit. But it's not like K.J. Osborne can go out there and be like, oh, I'm just going to be the team's number one now. I just don't think he has that level of talent in him. Like, no one's going to argue that either. K.J. Osborne is not going to be the team's number three. Okay? we're talking. No, no, he will be. He, K.J. Osborne is like the classic fantasy manager derangement syndrome where, like, they don't. They're just in denial about how much the team no, like, I, likes the I have him as like a good flex option. I think I literally I'm have nine, him. This will come right. out probably by the time. I'm in I think he's a fine flex option. I really do think that's fine. I'm, Denny, you know, sort of we, in the middle ground. We keep shouting down Denny. Denny's allowed to have final. Look, I, look, look, look. You smooth over Jordan Addison's production with some with some more targets in a, uh, on a terrible team that's going to have to throw a lot. I think I, if you have Jordan Addison in on in your on your team, you have to find a way to get him in. You just you just mm. ha you you have to jam. Okay, I'm him with Denny on this. Let's, 
going I don't forward. know about that. He's like the wide receiver 30. You don't have to like jam in the wide. You're going to probably right. be well, playing the wide receiver. Actually, I haven't heard that, Pat. So. You, take away, you take away 35% of the air yards and 30% of the targets, and and I think I think Addison takes a lot of that, him and Hawkinson. The team's going to be like a lot worse is what's going to happen. KJ Osborne That's probably is the ultimate <laughs> outcome is there. KJ Osborne's an afterthought. Brandon Powell is going to out-target KJ Osborne. Ooh, wow. Okay. Actually, that's I like so in terms of a molten take. I do like that one. Danny, real quick, is there any way DJ Moore can keep running aside? He's had 10 targets one time. It was in week five where he drew exactly 10. He's averaging 15.8 yards per target over his past four games. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is 13.2 on the season. Justin Jefferson is 10.7. DJ Moore is seems to be running unsustainably hot. Is this a correct take? So I, I actually thought about putting him in the regression files this week, which you can check out on the site. Um, but I decided not to because a you're going to play him anyway. It's not like you're 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 tortured between sitting him and playing him going forward. Um, and and b I, I I feel like fantasy managers should know that the touchdowns are not going to continue at this pace. Okay, like four touchdowns over the past two weeks. That's not going to happen but over the past two games he has 43 percent of the bears air yards which is just silly okay it's just just like a crazy number but it also i mean uh, uh last year uh, dj moore was doing the same thing in carolina where he was seeing 40 to 50 percent of the air yards through large swaths of the season so so that that can continue and also the bears remember we talked about at the beginning of the season if the bears can get up to like in the middle of the pack as far as pass rate over expected goes well, over the past two games, they're they're right around zero, and that's pretty good. You know, that's we we'll, we'll take zero from the Bears. So love- I I do I do think that more can keep keep it up to an extent. The touchdowns are going to slow down. We do love to be right at zero. Roshan Johnson has not practiced back to back days of this concussion. He seems likely to join Khalil Herbert on the sideline, which makes Deontay Foreman a starter and a top thirty option at running back. Woo, we will be right back after this. Basketball season is almost here, and that means one thing. It's draft season. Get the Roto World Basketball Draft Guide, which includes all the rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league this year. Go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now. And use promo code PRESEASON25 to save 25% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. Be struggling, Ravens. I mean, they're over 500 still. Uh, head to London Town because there's just a game in London every week now. To take on the Tennessee Titans as four-point favorites, Kyle. What, if anything, are we happy about in this Ravens offense right now? Who, boy, they just, they're, they're straight up not having a good time, as the old meme says. <laughs> they are straight up not having a good time. I am time straight up Ravens. not having a good time. I mean, I, there are some positive indicators, Lamar. I mean, they're using him like a runner, as we expect. That part of the offense hasn't gone. In fact, he's as expected, leading the NFL in QB design carries and leads all quarterbacks in scrambles. So that's good. He's probably still the number one rushing quarterback in the league, certainly without Anthony Richardson outside of like touchdowns. I guess you could maybe throw Jalen Hurts in there. And he's passing. I would argue he's passing the ball well. He is third in PFF passing grade. He's top 10 in completion percent over expected. The big caveat to his passing is that he has the second highest rate of his targets being dropped and the second most air yards lost to drop targets. He's throwing good deep balls, they make it to the receivers on time where they're supposed to be, and then something goes wrong. We can't figure out what's going on, but deep shots to Nelson Aguilar, as you know, number one, wasn't working out. I I mean, drops, as much as I make fun of Nelson Aguilar, and he famously has uh, struggled with drops at times, notably in Philadelphia, 
I do think the drops will normalize. I think they had seven of their like 10 drops come last week. That did. I think it was the most drops in a game since 2016. I oh, don't nice. know, according to which service, but it was sure, sure. unruly. Yes, un- unfathomable <laughs> levels of receiver play. I do think there are also some things that I'm looking at that it like sort of baffles me, particularly the use or lack thereof of play action. This season, you know, it's only five weeks, but Lamar's rate of play action on his overall pass attempts is 12% below his career average, but he's one of the best play action quarterbacks in the NFL. And you look at his target depth, it's not as high as it used to be. His time to throw is a little bit down. Like, I think they're doing some things right. They're still letting him run the ball, but they are pigeonholing him into this. We want you to drop back and throw these short of sort short spread out targets, like the design targets to Zay Flowers, four or five yards downfield. They've started pushing him downfield more, but... I think there are still leaks in this offense and they're not to me, super Lamar related. I think that one, they're drop related, which I expect to regress, but I do think they could be doing a lot more still to accentuate what Lamar does well. And they're not just to, I wonder some of the issues we, we like to blame them all on Greg Roman. What if they are just Lamar Jackson issues, even though it, like you said, it hasn't really been, a, I just wonder if this offense is always going to be what it is, which is run based, kind of frustrating inconsistent passing but usually enough to go like 10 and 7 make the playoffs well, it'd be a very very interesting few weeks lamar, lamar should have had 30 fantasy points last week if, if his guys should have but it's a, it is becoming one of those situations both for lamar and john harbaugh like every week there's some excuse every week there's some alibi and i mean I, I, it, it is really kind of becoming like that with the for like three seasons now or there's always just some reason they don't quite get home you can only that can only sustain for so long. We haven't seen like the explosive Ravens offense for literally years, like literally years. Four years. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a while, and we would like it to come back. Um, if you're listening, Rashad Bateman, please don't want to be the be one of the biggest busts. And no, well, I think we're past. I think that ship yeah. is. Yeah, he's no, he's yeah, he's a bust. Uh, Denny Derrick Henry is so game script dependent right now. That's not a question. It's just a statement that I want you to run with. Uh, it what, is. What have they done to our guy? It is true. Uh, Derrick Henry, 12 rushes per game in Tennessee losses this year, 23 and a half in wins. Uh, they are underdogs this week against Baltimore. They have the, the t- Titans have the fourth lowest implied total of the week. The Ravens are a slight run funnel, mostly because people don't want to mess around with their pass defense, but uh, I don't know if the Titans are going to be in that position. So um, <clears throat> we, <laughs> I know we don't usually do this, but there's someone in the in the comments here on YouTube saying, "Should I trade Henry for Kenneth Walker?" Straight up, and oh. the answer is yes. And so we're that's the sort sure. of thing. Yeah, you you should be doing. Now again, we don't usually do that, but I just had to since this I was talking about there. It's a good. Not, it's a good example. It, not it a Q and A show. Any violating the NBC terms of service? I, I am. They're banging down my door right now. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know. I mean, so so you you cannot feel good at all about starting Derrick Henry this week, or really any time the Titans are underdogs. Yeah, I think their next five games, including this one, I I don't know the lines exactly, but they're one, they're on the road for like three or four of their next five games. And those are all spots where they're going to be underdogs. Like it's roads road to, I think, Tampa Bay and maybe the Falcons as well. Maybe that's their home game. But this is a team that's dealing with poor quarterback play. It's not a great defense. And as well coached as they are. Other teams are simply going to out talent them. And as Danny pointed out, the the in loss splits for Derrick Henry are brutal. They're worse than they've ever been. So, yeah, I, I think Derrick Henry is like the the ultimate sort of sell high, given how dependent he is on his offense, which is bad. 
I actually, I'm looking at the schedule. It, I don't. It, it's versus Baltimore and London. Then by home, Atlanta, road Pittsburgh, road Tampa. Those could actually all be pretty friendly. Road Pittsburgh, road Tampa, and road Jaguars are all three underdog games. I'm not saying they're going to lose. Maybe slight underdog. I mean, first off, they're going to beat the Ravens. This is like the absolute like classic Mike Vrabel <laughs> victory. Like the Titans, very prone to winning, and you finally think they're just going to lose. They're going to just win this game outright. I'm sure. And I think you might get favorable enough, Derek Henry. I think too, if you're selling high on Derek Henry, you're not going to get anything. Like uh, someone just said, Ken Walker, man, like easy. That's true. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how easy that truly is. Kenneth Walker loves to get hurt. Are you guys satisfied with DeAndre Hopkins' production? His first hundred-yard game, 140 yards in Week Five, had previously not been above 65. Traylon Burks already ruled out for Week Six. Do we like Nuke, or is he just an aging player in a bad offense? He's like top 20 in catches and yards. I don't think he's a touchdown yet. Uh, but I mean, you know, being top 20 on this run first bad when they pass offense, I'm not sure how much else he can do. I mean, sure. Like if Justin Jefferson was on this offense, he'd produce more, but he's producing usable fantasy numbers in an environment that makes it really hard to do. So satisfied in that. I still think he's got it. Like, I still think he's good. I just don't know what else he could even do with the way this team is playing football right now. I mean, he's being targeted on 30% of his routes. That's, uh, that's seventh, crazy. Seventh among all receivers. So, you know, that's good. That's good. He's got that going for him. Can I, can I just have one question about DeAndre Hopkins? This guy has chosen his entire career to play for bad teams. And chosen's a little strong. I mean, he chose to play for the Titans, didn't he? They're no, bad he was teams. drafted by – no, well, was he – well, he, he was drafted by the Texans, traded to the Cardinals. Those weren't his fault. Uh, he, he did just traded to the Titans. His way out of Houston, I, I was my vibe of it, though. Did he get to choose where he landed? Uh, yeah. That's more in the yeah. weeds. Uh, certainly know. chose to play for this Titans team. Right. Did he? I thought he was. Oh no, yeah, he got cut and signed. He wasn't he, traded. That's correct. Right. Yeah, chose the Titans. I mean, well, well what, it's because he's at the stage of career where he had to choose money. Like he. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it, but I mean, he's never he just wow. He's just he's never going to be on a good team. It's amazing. Yep. Never ever going to happen. Seattle Seahawks come up by as two and a half point road dogs in Cincinnati. We had one good game and they're back. Denny, <laughs> uh, we'll get to the Seahawks in a minute, but we have to start with the Bengals because mentioning that one good game, uh, you could be repeating yourself from earlier this week. I think we may be very talking about this, but is it too early to declare the Cincinnati Bengals back? No, I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's too early. I mean, they played a bad Arizona defense, but um, they were way, way over their expected pass rate. Um, they looked more like the Bengals from the, the, the past two years operating uh, exclusively, in, exclusively in shotgun. I guess that's nothing new, though. They've been doing that because of Burrow's ankle. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do think that you can treat your Bengals like you hoped to treat them uh, early in the season, and, that, and, and you, you weren't able to. I hope no one like dropped Joe Burrow because he's probably going to be super valuable going forward. Although he's not going to give you probably not going to give you the rushing. I don't think he's that back physically. He um, could be after the bye if he avoids right, setbacks right. this week. They have the bye in week seven. But yeah, no, I I I think we saw a lot of good signs beyond beyond the obvious results, which were good. We also we saw a lot of good underlying signs for the Bengals offense last week. Yeah, you he physically know. just moved well too. Like he looked like Joe Burrow of old when he was moving. 
and our prior on them that there's is that they're elite. And then he finally looks like it. And Pat, as you pointed out, even if he's not quite all the way back, they're so close to the bye that by the next time we have this conversation, I think it'd be pretty safe to say, unless yeah. he like truly implodes this weekend, which doesn't seem awfully likely. We don't know if they're going to have T Higgins. He's been limited in practice so far. This rib injury it would make all the sense in the world to hold T out through the bye. But NFL teams frequently do things that do not make sense. Kyle, speaking of the bye, the Seahawks coming off theirs. JSN's usage heading into the bye was amongst the most disappointing of any player in the entire NFL. We know there's frequently a post-bye rookie bump with first-year players. Is there any hope of that with JSN or are the underlying metrics just too concerning heading into week five? I mean, you can't play him this week. I will say the last time we saw them, they're coming off a bye. Uh, last time in week four, he ran a route in 75% of his team's dropbacks, earned a target on 24% of his routes, a 23% target share, and had a slightly increased average depth of target. I think got just over five. So he set career marks, you know, in every single usage usage metric we have. But he was still only on, on the field running routes three quarters of the time. His target depth was still only just over five, which is really short. It was a step undoubtedly in the right direction. I'd say it was a big step, but his usage in the first three weeks had him set so far back from where we need him to be for fantasy purposes that one big step in the right direction isn't enough to play him this week. It's enough for me to hope like hope and pray and hold on to him because we're moving in the right direction, but it's just one game. I don't want to get out over my skis and say, I don't think you can play him this week yet. Well, it was one big step heading into their bye. Their bye was in week five, so they're coming off bye. So I didn't know that he had taken a step forward in week four. Uh, what you're saying, it's going to happen. He's back. Get him, jam him in there. That's what Kyle they're they're going to have to play a lot more three, three receiver sets, which they're just not doing right now. We need a thumbnail that says Dvorak says to jam JSN in your lineup. <laughs> I think at some point we might be able to use that thumbnail. Just let's, yeah. Adam, producer Adam, let's not do it this week, to be clear. Bookmark it for later. Real quick, Joe Mixon. I feel like we haven't talked about him all year. He's one of those players that you just don't talk about. Or, yeah, it's Joe Mixon. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Um, he's bad, but he gets the ball a lot. And any any thoughts on Joe Mixon beyond that? Or are we just can we just skip him again, folks? Yeah, he gets uh, the Joe ball a lot Mixon, of good offense. Yeah, Joe Mixon's in the regression files. I would I would like to report that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in in positive script, he's going to see a ton of. Of touches, uh, had tw- uh, touched about 25 times for 81 yards against. The so, Cardinals. does it matter at all, Denny, when it comes to regression files, if that he's bad? Does that matter? No, no, no. The regression files, we like to highlight players who are bad and okay. who get lots of opportunity. And Mixon fit, fits that description. Damian Pierce fits that description. Not not good at all. Like, super, really, really not good. Why is but he so they, bad? But they're, they're going to get a lot of valuable touches. Look, Joe Mixon has 10. Touches 10 carries inside the 10 yard line this year. That's fifth among running backs. He ha- he has 100% of the team's rushes inside the 10. Now, is he being stood up at the goal line by cornerbacks who weigh 45 pounds? Less than- <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Does that matter? I guess it does. But, uh, you know, the opportunities there. hopefully he'll be able to find the end zone at some point. Yeah, you do think Joe Mixon will end up finding it. To Joe Mixon, probably hurt by the overall offensive environment for the Bengals, which, as we noted, seems to be improving speaking of overall offensive environments the death star dolphins host the expansion level panthers is nearly two touchdown favorites in south florida but kyle the big story here is a loss for the dolphins uh, their fantasy atm devin achan on injured reserve we don't know if jeff wilson will be back yet this weekend take us through this new look dolphins backfield it's not again something sorry if you've heard us talk about this already this week we've talked about it a lot but that's because it's a big big deal 
what what if anything changes for the Dolphins post Devin Achan? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see Raheem Mostert slide basically back to where he was in the start of the season, where he is sort of the focal point of the creative rushing attack. And if Jeff Wilson plays, which is not a given yet, but if he plays, he'd probably be in for more of the short down and distance work. I also just wouldn't be surprised to see them have a, they already have a strong pass rate over expected, but they continue to push that among the league's highest, given that I think Mike McDaniel is really smart about adapting to the talent he has. We saw last year when the offense was cooking, they had an incredible pass rate over expected. And then of course, when they go to backup quarterbacks, they tightened up a little bit. And that seems to me to be a a reasonable take. I think we'll see the same sort of loosening of the passing attack whenever they're without their running back, who we talk about running is less efficient all the time. It's not with HN. It just isn't. So I think now that they don't have HN, they probably will end up passing more, which is good for the likes of someone like Jalen Waddle, who's been getting good usage, just hasn't quite gotten his breakout game yet. Everyone in this offense has gotten a breakout game except for him. So I think more passing volume would specifically be good for Waddle, who didn't need the extra passing volume. He was dangerously close to a multi-touchdown game last week, but it can't hurt. Yeah, I would say speaking of Jalen Waddle to Denny, maybe he can get some jet sweeps, some of those vacated Devin HN jet sweeps. He'd be a great candidate for those. I do view this as a potential slump-busting game for Jalen Waddle because he's to the point where, like, I'm sure the Dolphins coach is like, listen, we got to get Jalen Waddle some numbers to keep this guy happy this week. What do you think about Jalen Waddle's week six prospects? You would would think that. And it's against a really weak, just overall weak Carolina defense. Uh, You know, last week Waddle ran a a season-high 91% of the routes for the Dolphins, so he had that going for him. Uh, His target per route run rate has gone up. Uh, every every game this season, yes, from from week one to week five, and uh, you know, look, uh, the Panthers are a run funnel; they're an everything funnel, basically. Um, and they do the Dolphins do allow the highest EPA per rush by a mile, some would say a country mile. I feel like I feel like this could could limit a guy like Waddle and just have the Dolphins hammer this team on the ground. I mean. I know what Kyle was saying about maybe they push the, you know, put, push the pass rate over expected, whatever, but I, it, it, it shapes up to me as a game where, where you could see 35, 40 rushing attempts for Miami. On the other side of the ball, Kyle, I was going to say, give us the Grizzly Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard details, but looks like Miles Sanders, whose production has been dwindling, whose playing time has been dwindling, might not even suit up now. He missed back-to-back practices with a shoulder injury. It had been his groin that was limiting him heading into week five. What what is the lay lay of the land in this this seemingly changing Panthers backfield? Yeah, we'll see. Sanders has been listed on the injury report now, like you said, with a groin. I think at one point they also listed him with a peck. He was dealing with a groin injury before the season. Now it's the shoulder. Uh, he's just like a guy who is perennially banged up, but has gritted through a lot of it. Don't know if that happens this week. I think the upshot is that Chuba Hubbard has consistently looked more efficient than Sanders throughout the year. I mean, over the past two weeks, we even saw maybe they started shifting toward it as Hubbard outcarried Sanders 23 to 20. A few of those came in quote garbage time, but they hadn't pulled the starters yet. Adam Thielen was still out there. Bryce Young was out there. So maybe they were still conceding and giving their most banged up player rest, but I don't want to call it pure garbage time. If the starters outside of Sanders are still in there and he's been more efficient, both in terms of rush yards are expected his success rate, and he's breaking tackles at nearly four times the rate Sanders is. Sanders isn't much of a tackle breaker. He's a hit the hole and go for a home run type of player. But the fact that as soon as you get a hand on him, it's easy to bring him down, and Hubbard is almost the opposite, I think that's definitely a feather in Hubbard's cap. So it's a tough spot. Hubbard hasn't been a great receiver this year. He's like nearly last in yards per route run. 
Sanders is down there too. So that's sort of the downside is that it's a low, nearly the lowest team total in the league. They're going to lose this game by a lot. But I think in most spots, when you think you can lock up almost all the touches in the backfield, you have to start that player, you know, assuming you don't have better options. But I'll probably have him ranked at least as a top 30 option because what am I going to do? Project Raheem Blackshear for a large role? Maybe some of the passing work, but I think Hubbard goes out and sees most of the touches if Sanders doesn't play. Danny, I guess your guy, Adam Thielen, by the way, is going to keep going nuclear in this game, right? Man, oh, man. Uh, you know, it is uh, it's difficult for the Zoomers, Kyle, I, I understand. but uh, It hurts. I, yeah, I, it hurts. Adam, Adam Thielen, Thielen is the guy. Funding he's, a new wing on the Carter household. Yeah, we will, he's, he's good. We'll be right back after this. Bills Mafia will be out in full force this Sunday evening when Josh Allen and company take on Daniel Jones and or Tyrod Taylor and the Giants in Buffalo. Coverage of the game begins at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC sports. The Jaguars return from approximately two months in England to host the Colts as four point favorites, Denny. Can you possibly construct a Gardner Minshew streaming case? I'm sure you can. You're always oh. talking about how good he is uh, for these Colts pass catchers. So what's the deal? Can I ever? I, I, this is, it's so easy, folks. Look, <laughs> here, here's, here's how it goes. Okay. First of all, you have the revenge factor. Okay. That's analytics, Minshew yep. against the Jags. Uh, Jacksonville is the fourth most extreme pass funnel defense in the league. Um, the Jags pass defense is middling at best by, by many measures. Look, I, I honestly, nobody can run against the Jaguars and, you know, a, a lot of the metrics don't make sense. Like you, you look at it. I, Pat Crane has mentioned this in his newsletter, like the Jags don't ooh. seem. What did you say? Like, ooh. Hope you knew you weren't supposed to be reading that. Uh, oh, well, sorry. I, I should censor myself more. Uh, and, uh, but but the the Jag look at the Jags are uh, are really good against the run. I I, th- I think that we're going to see a fast paced uh, offense, especially with Minshew at the helm here. Last time Minshew started the game was, was against the Ravens. They they ran seventy one offensive snaps in that game. Uh, that's a little aspirational, but we're gonna we're I think we're gonna see a lot. I think that just based on volume, I mean, Minshew is not going to tear it up probably, but just based on volume, he could be useful, and I think that he'll be. Pretty great for uh, Josh Downs and Michael Pittman. Kyle, Calvin Ridley is coming off his first really good fantasy game since week one. He had seven catches for 122 yards against the Bills in London. That good game in week one was against the Colts. How much can we read into that? How much can we read into Ridley getting what you would call back on track in week five? What what is the, the going forward? What are the going forward prospects for Kyle Ridley right now? Yeah, I think he saw one more target than Christian Kirk last week, and Kirk still has a 3% target share edge, even including the week one game in which Calvin Ridley nuked. But on the other hand, we do see that as Ridley's targets come up, his value goes up exponentially because he's got over 36% of the team's air yards, nearly 40% of the team's looks in the end zone. So all of his, or at least a big portion of his touches or his opportunities are very high value. That also means they're going to be very high variance. When you're getting targeted 15 yards downfield, Seven targets is an incredible opportunity game, but if four of them are broken up because completing 20-yard passes is very difficult, your floor goes down exponentially. So I think he's probably still going to lead this team in scoring over the long run in terms of the pass catchers, but I do think Kirk 
probably still sees more targets than him. He is so far throughout the year, slightly. And I think it's probably a higher floor play, but especially if you're looking at like half PPR or especially like a standard league, Calvin Ridley is, is clearly the ceiling bet. And I generally want to be making the ceiling bet on a given team in any given week. Danny, you mentioned the Jaguars' tough run defense. What in the, how, what do we tell people to do with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss <laughs> after last week? Because we know Jonathan Taylor, there is nowhere to go but up. We know that as good as Zach Moss has been, he's not going to be the 1A in this backfield. We don't even know if there will be a 1B. It could just return to one-man band and Jonathan Taylor. What do you tell folks right now about the Colts backfield? I'm a little more pessimistic on Taylor than you are. We talked on Tuesday about the ramp up period, you you were saying that last week was the ramp up, and from here it's just Taylor, the Taylor show. I have a hard time believing that the Colts can see what Zach Moss has done, not just last week, but throughout the season, and say, "All right, Zach, you're you're done here. Thanks, thanks for your efforts." I I, I really think that he has carved out a spot in this backfield to the detriment of Jonathan Taylor, who, by the way, has spent a lot of his career being a timeshare back. In, in the in the backfield. So the problem for Zach Moss though is that Jonathan Taylor can have several bad games in a row. We know that his like it's not going to go away for him. Like he's going to keep getting opportunities. They're going to keep ramping him back up. Zach Moss I think is in the position where, like the second he has eight carries for nineteen yards. Like all right, whatever. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. But <laughs> for this week, I think that you have to have almost religious faith that Jonathan Taylor is going to be used more. Uh, against I'm, I'm, I think it'll be used more, but it'll be less effective. Cause it, what were you going to say, Kyle? I'm on board with, I mean, I think he'll see the ball more. The team essentially told us as much. I want to say even Steichen said, or one of the reporters said that last week they didn't even have padded practices. They had been a little banged up with injuries and they had three like complete walkthroughs. And this week they're actually running padded practices. So like, Last week wasn't even a good chance to ramp Taylor up in terms of his coming off of uh, injured reserve or pup or whatever he was on. So this week, like even as as like a person, it makes more sense physically for him to be ramped up to speed this week during practice. But do I like I think you need that level of faith to play him this week. He, he was one where like but he got like six carries last week. I'm not playing a guy who got six carries last week in the following week. There will be a point where I'm like, oh, he's a set it and forget it RB1. You're certainly not there now, probably not there for another week or two. So he's staying out of my lineups for now, though I do think if you give me the over-under on more touches this week or last, I'll take this week. Denny down bad after getting exposed by ball nowhere, Kyle. Well, guess what, Denny? Uh, They didn't even have any padded practices last week, but you didn't know that. Yeah, I I mean, I I think Denny's right in that we both agree that you're not playing him this week. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of people will feel forced to. I mean, I mean yeah. a lot of people don't feel forced to. Uh, we are forced to. Uh, we we need this. We need a real bad. <laughs> one time, Johnny. <laughs> we need a real, real, real bad, Johnny. The 49ers head on the road to Cleveland is now eight point favorites in an unspeakably bad, uh, unspeakably totaled, excuse me, 37 point showdown with the Browns. The line is going up. Producer Adam's talking to us about the show. All sorts of strange stuff afoot because there's all sorts of strange stuff afoot between Devin. Devin. Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Seems like he's not really enjoying playing football anymore, and he might not do it this weekend. Uh, we have no idea what to expect. We don't even know if it's going to be DTR, as they call no, him, or PJ Walker. They, they did announce. Yeah, I, I they haven't announced who the quarterback is yet, so I'm not really taking anything necessarily at face value yet. I mean, I'll I'll take any any amount of money you want on. It's not DTR. I think I think Stefanski or maybe the OC said that if Watson can't play, it'll be PJ. Is that better? I don't know. He has like five touchdowns and 11 interceptions in his career. He's horrible. Just, yeah. He's, 
So yeah, I, Kyle, will this game environment kill everything it touches? Is basically yeah. all I need to know. I mean, it'll kill everything for the Browns. I'm not. I'm not even the Niners. Though I think it might for the Niners too. See, I think I think it doesn't really matter that the Niners are maybe the most efficient, probably the second or third at worst, most efficient offense in the NFL. Is it certainly increasing the probability that one or two of them bust? That they just don't have enough plays, they don't have enough neutral game script to not play, like to not have a successful game for IU Kittle or Debo. Yeah, I'd bet one of them, if not two of them, don't have good fantasy weeks this week. But do you know which one? You definitely don't. And should you be fading the upside of like three three Kittle touchdowns or a giant 150 Debo game? Shouldn't be fading that upside, even if this game is like the floor for your individual players is certainly lower. Do we need to bet on Debo? Sorry, Denny. Don't the Browns play a lot of zone, I believe? And isn't that what – which – Ayuk is the man, the man dominator in Debo. That's right. That's the right. zone, dude. Yeah, so yeah. I know some ball. Yeah, you you do know a little ball. Uh, I, I if the Browns were honest, could treat, treat this game honestly, they would probably just rest their starters uh, and and yeah, and not not get anybody hurt. Like it, it, they would treat it like an NBA team does, or at least did in the era of load management, which is apparently over. Uh, and and uh, you know Cooper would be out and Joku would be out. You know they they can't do that, so this guy's going to be out there. But yeah, if PJ Walker starts, it's it's very Jover, very much Jover for all those guys. I don't I don't I don't know. I honestly think that you would have to think about not playing Amari Cooper. I've been so excited for Brock Purdy to finally face Miles Garrett. I guess he just faced Micah Parsons and easily exposed him. But uh, Brock Purdy's going to stop mean, getting away with it one of these days, guys. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> You at so. his enshrinement ceremony. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> he can't keep getting sure, away. With he's it. literally in the Hall of Fame now, but that's well, he's not going to keep getting away with it. He waves to his fans. His hand can barely be held up. It has six rings. They weigh five pounds in total on mm-hmm. them. But he's waving to the fans and you in the background. He can't keep getting away with it. Brock mm-hmm. Brady, the first ever bad Hall of Famer. Denny, what's the Jerry Ford check-in for Jerome Ford this week? Again, we talk about yeah. a hellacious offensive environment. It is so, so bad. Like all the excitement from getting Jerome Ford off the waiver wire, all that is gone. Just we gone. Naive. I mean, I, 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 I was excited. I had him a bench, bench as a as bench you guy. should have been, as people should have been. I, yeah, no, for sure. But now it's not exciting. Now it stinks. I, I, I longed for three weeks ago when I thought I had something. You have nothing with Jerome Ford. Uh, um, let's see. Over the past two games. He's run 55% of the routes, uh, nine targets combined. So that's not nothing. Um, he's not going to get anything on the ground here. Let's just be honest. Uh, you're hoping for a touchdown. You're crossing your fingers. Oh, good luck touchdown. with that. I, right. I mean, it's not, again, big, big not hope for a touchdown. Is, is I, I think you're hoping for what you pointed out, the nine targets over the past two weeks. PPR scam your way to like 11 points maybe because he has been, like you said, he's been running a majority of the routes and he's been earning targets on his routes, but he's not getting nearly all the carries. I think he's getting fewer than half total of the carries over the past two weeks. You're just hoping he's the check down guy. And and also there's the, I mean, you can't really think this hard about it from a fantasy start standpoint, but there's also the possibility that, he doesn't play like in the fourth quarter because it's it's a blowout, you know. And, and anyway, that's it's it's very bleak. I will say that. What if the Browns they were better without Deshaun Watson last year? What if we just totally goofed and they're better nope. without him again? This not, year? No, not nah. with PJ Walker. Not with PJ Walker. PJ Walker is just 
An abomination. Let's just. Be I, the thing is, I love PJ Walker. This is coming from someone who watched him play in the XFL. He was like legit slinging it in the XFL. Yeah, oh yeah, XFL. He, is he just. Fun. He just doesn't. He's just not up. He's somewhere in between. He is not good enough to play in the NFL, and he's better than most of the guys he faces in the XFL. And that leaves him as a nine-point underdog to the 49ers at home. PJ Walker is not him. The Chargers come off by a somewhat surprising, in my opinion, home underdogs to the Cowboys in the highest total game of week six, sitting around 51 points, Denny Carter. We will begin with the Chargers receiver core, which was a dud and Mike Williams' first absence in week four. Do they have better prospects for week six against a tough Cowboys defense, still playing some good coverage, even without Trayvon Diggs? I mean, yeah, I, I, I really like this matchup for um... – uh, for the Chargers, uh, you know, I, I think that the the Cowboys defense has shown that it can be exploited through the air. Uh, Keenan Allen will continue commanding targets at a high rate. I wrote up Josh Palmer in the regression files. This is the fourth time I've mentioned the regression files, but I will keep doing it. Um, in his first game without Mike Williams uh, in the lineup, and th- this based mostly on a 51-yard reception late in the game to, to sort of ice the game. Um, he had uh, eight targets, ended up with 77 scoreless yards. He led the team. He had 50% of the team's air yards in that game, um, which is a little bit surprising. I think Quentin Johnston is just not going to be a thing for now. Um, you know, it, I, I, it would require another wide receiver injury basically to make to force. And even then, I don't even know if they would use Johnston. So, uh, so I think it is Palmer and Keenan Allen as the beneficiaries of of uh, an offense that I think, I think can put up some points. We have to remember from an analytics standpoint, Kellen Moore is playing his former team. Okay. He's going to want to score all the points. Lay it on him. Kellen seriously lay it on Mike McCarthy. (laughs) deserves everything he's getting. And it'll be, I agree with you on Quentin Johnson. It'll be a horrible sign for Quentin Johnston. He comes out of the bye and is still splitting snaps with Darius Davis. Like he really, it it is Jover for him if he is still. Well, it'd be it'd be Darius Davis, the rookie, gets a lot of extra reps during the buy, and then comes out and has a great game. He's a rookie. The thing is, you don't understand. He's going to get schemed more. Yeah, but wait, is, is Darius Davis also a rookie? Are you serious? Yeah, rookie from TCU. Yeah. Really? Yes. Pretty sure. Now your confidence is is shaking me. But I don't know. I I don't, I don't know anything about Darius Davis. Are you saying he was college teammates with Quentin Johnston? I didn't make I, that connection, but I, yeah, yeah not fourth round pick, pick one twenty five. No, Holy no, God. literally, he's literally a rookie. <laughs> yeah, Johnston down. I was I was one hundred percent confident until you were zero percent confident. At which point, I had to average us to fifty. Quentin Johnston down extraordinarily bad. Uh, Kyle, we will stick with you. Are we finally going to get some fantasy points from Tony Pollard and Ceedee Lamb? Where the Cowboys just cannot get a normal game script to save their life. I've been totally fascinated by this for weeks, and it's just keeping up. They're either annihilating someone getting annihilated in weird comeback mode against one of the worst teams in the league and losing in the Cardinals. This one finally seems foolproof. There's no way there's not gonna be a lot of points in this game by both teams. Uh, does that sound fair for Tony Pollard and CD land managers? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that have gone wrong. Like Tony Pollard, the game script hasn't mattered because he keeps getting so much work and he just can't get into the end zone for the love of God, they give him every single touch. He continues to lead the league in red zone touches and carries like inside the five and the 10, and he just can't get in. Game script hasn't really been a problem for him. I would definitely think it's fair to say it has been more so a problem for some of the other members of the team, specifically the passing game members. This team has the fewest plays run within seven points of their opponent, either direction leading or behind. 
by a laughable margin. It's like 17 plays per game. It's like a quarter of their game essentially is being played in a neutral adjacent game script. And most of the games are blowouts. I think their average margin of victory plus defeat is like 25 points or something like that. Like you said, the Cardinals game, shockingly, was the one normal game. This is finally it in the sense of the most likely outcome is this is a high scoring but close affair. I will say for C.D. Lamb, both his target share and his air yard share are down significantly from last year. He's still the team's clear number one, but he has not been the focal point, the beginning and the end of the passing attack like he was last year. Not too concerned with that in this game. The Chargers are allowing the most passing yards per game in the NFL. Not the worst defense, but they just play in fun, high-scoring games. So you're still obviously playing CD and treating him as a wide receiver one. But I think there was a chance for him to come in and be like a top five, top four fantasy receiver this year. That's not the usage he's seeing. It's more run-of-the-mill wide receiver one, and this is a great game for him to make the most of that. I, I have a bad feeling about this game, folks. I feel like... There are a lot of paths to failure as far as fantasy goes. Um, One of them you know, is Mike McCarthy for jail. Right. <laughs> I mean, this Cowboys offense is a disaster. Okay. Like, like let's, let's be real about it. It's bad. It's so bad that Tony Pollard is now bad. Okay. And yes, I know he was on the magazine cover. Okay. I know that you guys remind me that yeah, all the time. Sounds Guess like what? you don't know that. You know, Hey, look, here, here's something. Okay, PFF's elusive rating, which Tony Pollard has dominated for years. Okay, everybody talks about it. My 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 aunts and uncles. Oh, elusive. He's elusive. Uh, Tony Pollard is fifty third in that elusive rating. He's right uh, alongside Latavius Murray. I do oh, think that could Murray's shifty. He's a shifty guy. I do think it could be to do with the game scripts too. Or curious, a, a huge curious. amount of his carries have probably come in really predictable running situations. I'll yeah, say. well, you know, hey, he's getting a million carries inside the 10, not doing anything with them. He's not elusive anymore. He's not breaking away. He's not Dang, doing anything. Don't you write this regression files thing? Isn't there a thing where like talent doesn't matter? The guys who get the ball near the goal line score? Uh I he's I've mentioned them, still not doing anything. By Mention him again, please. <laughs> One more time. By the way, I acted surprised that the Chargers were underdogs for this home game until I remember just being like 80% Cowboys fans. Yeah. Uh, like oh, it is. It, yeah. Conservatively, 80% Cowboys Look. fans. Yeah, um, not to name, I know, I, mean, you got, I don't know if you guys know Kevin Clark. I went on his podcast and <laughs> we were talking about are the Chargers even, we just took it for granted. They weren't the second most popular team in LA. I think it's probably the Raiders. After the Rams, the Raiders might be the most popular team in LA. Are the Chargers even the third? I think there might be more Cowboys fans and 49ers fans in LA than there are Chargers fans. There's probably more Steelers fans in LA. There might Steelers be more fans Steelers travel, fans yeah. too. Not even just travel. It's like people no, who like no, a no, no, I mean, I mean, they just move, they spread. Midwestern yeah, people, right. they just like yeah, I mean they're 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 top ten for sure. They are, they are, Chargers are probably top ten in LA. There are probably more of those robots they put in SoFi Stadium to film some movie than there are Chargers fans. Yeah, could uh, we program them to be Chargers fans? Like, oh right, that, the robots. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, they, they're like shooting some movie in SoFi, and they put like weird AI robot type of things for a dystopian future movie. Get those guys in some Chargers jerseys. Looking very powerfully into programming the robots to be Chargers fans by Austin Eckler who seems like he's going to take a break from being like a hustle mindset uh, entrepreneur this week and is going to play football. I'm releasing a lot of motivational videos the past four weeks. He's appears like he's going to play against the Dallas Cowboys, Denny. I see Denny Carter laughing uncontrollably. Uh, you know, he does you have mean, that grind set. You mean getting any good tips from his videos? Seems like you probably have. Um, he liked David Montgomery, so David Montgomery Ooh, is good. That's so that, I, I appreciate that. 
Um, keep grinding. The Eagles host the Jets as touchdown home favorites, Kyle. We got everything we wanted and more out of Brees Hall in his first game without touch restrictions last week. But is this just too difficult of a spot against the Eagles' lockdown run defense for him to get home as an RB1 in Week 6? The Eagles' run defense hasn't even been elite this year. It's that teams don't even try. I mean, it helps when you're putting up a ton of points that teams don't really get the chance to run against you. They're a top-five team in terms of pass rate over expected faced, but they're, I think, 10th in uh, rushing EPA allowed. Good, not elite. And are you are you going to be the guy who sits 22 carries for 177 yards, the best second-best rush yards over expected in the NFL, Brees Hall? matchup regardless like i'm not going to be that guy so no i'm it's tougher certainly than it was last week by an incredible margin given that last week he played a horrific broncos team but we saw the team come out and say that we're the, the wording ends up being a little more cagey but last week they say oh the pitch count is is removed he goes out and gets 22 carries i you connect the dots he's a workhorse running back who's also really good at football I'm still going to rank him as an RB1. It's a spot where last week, if I knew he was going to get 22 touches, I literally rank him as a top three running back. I wouldn't do that with 22 touches this week. But yeah, you're obviously playing Brees Hall and you have reasonable expectations for him. Goes to RB12 or 13. Denny, Devontae Smith is kind of stuck in the Jalen Waddle zone as an elite number two receiver who has not broken out. I think he had one good game early in the season. They made last week the Dallas Goddard breakout week. Do you think this is the week they try to funnel targets to Devontae Smith? Sauce Gardner. Could be seeing a lot of AJ Brown. It would maybe make sense to get Devontae yeah. Smith going? Question mark. No, no, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, <clears throat> we're seeing a, a separation between AJ Brown and Smith that that we really didn't see for for you know last year, most of last year at least. Um, AJ Brown is crushing in air yards right now. Forty four percent of the Eagles' air yards. It's only twenty seven percent for Devontae Smith, uh, and you know that that is you know affecting everything for Devonte smith it's made him very frustrating i can say that as someone who has him in uh let me check yes oh every every league, <laughs> every, every league. um also his average depth of target has climbed to 12.6 it's usually around nine nine to ten i think that's enough to make him you know a little more volatile than we're used to uh we need gosh we do need some funnel targets folks we need a bad i need a bad I will say, uh, and uh, last week, last week was was bleak. So um, he's a little bit touchdown dependent right now, but you still got to roll him out. Headline: Denny Carter colon quote needs it bad. <laughs> I, need, I need, you know what I need? I, I need <laughs> five points from Devontae Smith. I would have won last week if I had gotten five points. Pat, I will say, I think it's bad SEO practice to use that same headline nine weeks in a row. So I'd say maybe take a break from it once. Vinny <laughs> Carter needs it bad. Just uh, once. Any any hope? Just just once, Denny. We're not going to say what. Just once. But <laughs> any hope? But Kyle, you mentioned the Eagles' run defense not being a stout this year. The pass defense is really yeah. not been a stout this year. I think the run defense is probably still really good, and it's just like weird statistical noise. I'm not so sure about the. I honestly say that like the talent there in terms of the pass rushers is is identical. Like they still have not identical, but still very similar in that they have an a great defensive line, uh, and they've been okay in in terms of pressure. They haven't been as good as they were last year in terms of pressure, but even their sacks are lagging behind their pressures. Neither here nor there. The point you're making is I, I think the pass defense is worse. 
but it's not terrible. And See, any hope for Garrett Wilson in Zach you know whose pass offense is terrible. It's the Jets. I mean, I think the hope is sort of what we'll, you know, eventually talk about with Kyle Pitts, where like he is the entirety of this passing attack. And those guys in the long run get home more often than they don't. And when I say the entirety, I mean, he's top five in both target share and air yard share. They have no one else to throw to. And why would you? He's awesome. I'm going to keep playing him, but it's it's because he gets the ball. They try to get him the ball a lot. It doesn't even always work because the targets aren't accurate. But he sees so much of the offense that I think you have to keep playing him and accept that he's going to dud a decent amount of the time, but that he also still has like individual weak wide receiver one upside, maybe. Uh, like, where do you have him ranked? I probably have him ranked like 32 no, I'm more on the, the two, three borderline around. I think I'm inside the top 24 actually this week. Oh, cool. The, All right. The volume has been, the volume has kind of gotten sticky. This nothing has been happening with it. Oh, I mean, of course the volume's sticky. He's a really good receiver and the number two option. Well, no, no, I'm saying, it's, I wouldn't say it was an, an of course because we can't even have an, a, sometimes we don't even know if Zach Wilson's talented enough to attempt 20 <laughs> passes a game because he was getting sacked and like killing drives. So the volume has been a little stickier than I thought just in terms of like from a volume. Like, the target share was always going to be sticky. Mm-hmm. wasn't sure what the actual volume with Zach Wilson is. How much volume can there really be with Zach Wilson? There's been a little more than I was expecting. With the no, I have I have him uh, 25. So there you go. I was even more uh, – I'm more optimistic than I thought. That, that's the problem real quick with Zach Wilson. It has to be a Goldilocks situation with him because – if the Jets get a lead, they are going to literally never pass the ball. We saw that last week against oh, the Broncos. And so, but also, it, if it's a blowout, it's going to be real bad because he's going to be dropping back in, a, in an expected Yeah, I mean, this is the garbage time fallacy, right? You create garbage time by being garbage. So you right. don't actually want to get there. Like, there's no sort of predictiveness of garbage time because garbage time looks exactly. like Zach Wilson getting sacked and fumbling and struggling, getting hyena sacked and. <laughs> Well, anyway, I so that that's what made me nervous last week with Zach Wilson against sure. the Broncos because you have to have the perfect, perfect situation for him to do his thing, which whatever it is, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> do his thing. What a, yeah, no one knows what his thing is. Zach Wilson will never quote do his thing. <laughs> the, the, the Bucks come off by as three and a half point underdogs in Detroit City. Denny, it appears Mike Evans is going to remain sidelined. Is this too difficult of a matchup for a Chris Godwin smash spot? Or is he just going to have, quote, all the targets? <laughs> he's in a good spot. That's what that's what we'll say. I don't I don't know what the Zoomers are calling it, but he's in a good spot. Uh, this is uh, per Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Focus. After, uh, not Sharp Football Focus. Sharp Football, yeah, football Analysis. Analysis. I mixed up the two. Uh, so after Mike Evans exited uh, the game in the Bucks last game, uh, Chris Godwin ran 17 routes. He was targeted on seven of those, uh, which turned into five catches for, for 99 yards. Um, the Lions have been vulnerable in the middle of the field, especially against the slot. But Godwin's only running a slot route on 30% of his targets, which I had to like triple check because it just seems wrong. But yeah, I mean, uh, 70% route uh, running, you know, running 70% of his routes on the outside, not not the best. But if Evans is out, then you're then you're you're talking about Godwin seeing upwards of, of ten looks in this game. That's you know that's good. You'll take it. That's that's definitely good enough. Kyle, is there any Rashad White fear coming out of the bye where Sean Tucker and Keyshawn Vaughn kept coming at him? So far, they have missed. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. There could be a bye week reevaluation. Are we scared about maybe a decreased role? 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at what they would reevaluate, the last time we saw them this week four, they're coming off their bye. They benched uh, Sean Tucker in that game and ended up using Keyshawn Vaughn, who was so displeased with being the third running back that he like missed the first two games. He just like left the team or something. And then he comes in, I think he averaged like two yards a carry, you know, yards per carry, a rudimentary stat, but good enough for us to say the guy they treated as their third string running back until their second string running back was so bad they had to move into their (laughs) second string running back looks bad is not going to take touches away, uh, at least a meaningful amount from uh, from the starter. The, really, the concern is that it's a very vanilla offense that's three-point road dogs with a sub-20 team total, but I still expect them to get the majority, the vast majority of the touches. Here's Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be back for the Detroit Lions. We don't know that for sure. Danny, I do have a question about Sam Laporta, who we've always kind of locked in as a top-five tight end, but – I, I keep fixating on he's like 18th in tight end routes. He's just not running as many routes as you would expect from an elite tight end one. Is this going to catch up with Sam Laporta? Yeah, right. Seventy uh, percent route rate th- this year, which is which is not great. Now his uh, let's see his target per route run rate is I can't find it anyway. Um, yeah, so I mean. It works when you are only running seventy percent of the routes, and then you occasionally catch a long touchdown, like, and that and that just smooths everything over. You're like, oh, okay. Well, you keep getting away with it. But I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I think that there is a, a little bit of uh, running hot um, in in Sam Laporta's game. Uh, again, the tight end position is such that you are thrilled to death to start him. So it's that but, is true. But just as a as a fantasy manager, psychologically you might have to adjust what you're expecting. Eh, I'm not so concerned because I, I think the alternative for them is that like what, why would his targets per route run come down? It's 24%, which is super high. It's like third, I think third or fourth in the NFL among tight ends that is. But I think for me, it's, it's what would be the alternative. Maybe they start throwing more deep to Jameis Williams, but that would be a like sort of shift in the entire offense. Maybe it makes sense getting him back, but I think Laporte to some, I mean, to a large degree, is earning his targets per route run because he's really freaking good. So I'm not as concerned about it. Of course, I'd love for him to run more than 70% of the routes. That's not a particularly high number for a guy we treat as I treat him as top five tight end, but I think his, his market share numbers and even his per route numbers are sticky enough that I'm not moving him off of top five. It, it, they, it's because it's not just the route though. It is the targets. Like he's, it, it's not like he's getting like nine targets. It's like four or five targets. He does seem like someone who's going to go into it. I think he's going to remain like a top seven or eight tight end, but there's going to be like an extended slump at some point. And I just think fantasy managers need to be ready for that. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons come off an impressive win over the Houston. T- I said they came off of an impressive win over the Falcons. The Falcons mm-hmm. did not beat the Falcons. They beat. The They've Houston tried Texans. to do that many times, but they, they do didn't, do they that last week quite frequently. They are two and a half point favorite home play favorites against the commanders. Kyle, is there any chance whatsoever was the last week of start of something? cannot speak during this one is there any chance the last week was the start of something for desmond ritter there's always a chance uh do i think it's high (laughs) probably not i mean ritter is a group of five third round quarterback who started his career as a backup hasn't looked particularly good up until last week where obviously did have a very strong game it was over 300 yards i think got a rushing touchdown as well and to, uh, I say to his fantasy credit, because this is more about what his opponents are coming up, but his next five opponents rank 28th, then 8th, but then 27th, 25th, and 29th in EPA per dropback allowed. A lot of teams in the late 20s in terms of his upcoming opponents outside of the Bucks, who are that team that ranks 8th. So uh, should he be okay? 
Yeah, those are some good opponents that will attempt to bring out the best in him, as we've seen with, for instance, the Commanders versus Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, he is the one who has the most control over his own production, and he hasn't been particularly good this year. So I think it's probably unlikely, maybe in deeper leagues, especially as we get into more bi-week riddled weeks. This week only has two teams on bye. You look to stream him against one of those spots. But it's a, I would say, at best, modest efficiency and obviously extremely low volume passing attack. I'm not really dying to stream Ritter, especially in this week where it's just two teams on by. Eventually, I think he gets like the Chargers and Vikings coming up. If those are more by heavy weeks, you could find yourself in a spot where you need to. And he's got a little bit of rushing juice. Uh, we, we have to remember that that uh, a lot of Ritter's production, late game production, came on a hair on fire uh, under one minute drive. To, to try to get into field goal position. Like, you know, you can't bank on that. Also, the, the Falcons were still 12% under their expected pass rate. This changes nothing. Last week changes nothing. All right, that's a real, real shame. We'll get to Kyle Pitts in just a second. But, Denny, I wanted to ask you, what is going on with the commander's pass catchers? We're speaking, talking about hair on fire. We had two or three quarters of it for the commanders last week, and they were converting a lot of it into actual production, but it was to all of their backups. And Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin – like coming off the field at really random time, like Deami Brown was getting targeted a lot. It was very, very strange. I, yeah. what is going on at the commander's pass catchers? I genuinely did not know watching last Thursday evening. So we joked, I joked uh, lamely in the off season that uh, Sam Howe was stepping into the Patrick Mahomes role in Eric, the enemy's offense and uh, Logan Thomas stepping into the Travis Kelsey role. Uh, turns out that has actually happened. And uh, <laughs> here, here's, here's how. So, Sam Howell is averaging 7.4 air yards per throw. That's 24th among quarterbacks. You know, very it's low. Uh, Mahomes is 25th, okay, in air yards per throw. So we have that similarity going. Lots of throws to the middle of the field. And in fact, the third highest rate, uh, Washington targets the middle of the field in the third highest rate, feeding Logan Thomas and, you know, sometimes the running backs. Uh, 26% of the team's targets have gone to tight end, the tight end position. Uh, that's the fourth highest rate. And they're not really targeting the receivers, just like Mahomes doesn't really target receivers. For the listeners, own. obviously, for a lot of people, this is audio. Uh, Denny has a bunch of little red pins and string, and he's putting it up everywhere. He's <laughs> running around his room, and he keeps running back to tell us into the microphone. Then he runs back to the board and pins things up. How is Mahomes, is what I'm saying. Uh, no, I mean, uh, so so I, I actually don't think that there is a clear path to McLaurin or Dotson being a thing, like a consistent, consistent fantasy producers. I feel, and I feel duped by this because I have a lot of McLaurin folks. So that yeah, hurts. Real, real um, good coaching. But uh, yeah, I mean, Logan Thomas in the Travis Kelsey role is going to, is going to do things for you. Till he gets hurt again in like one week. Uh, Kyle, anything, what's the, I, I just wrote obligatory Kyle Pitts check-in. We talked about a lot this week already. Anything to hang our hat on there? Denny said it was it was false production from Desmond Ritter. Anything to hang our hat on with Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I mean it's the same thing we all hang our hat on. I, I'll say this this week I've come with uh, I want to say real stats, but not market share stats because I agree to the people that say his market share stats obviously don't tell the full story because the the team sucks and doesn't pass the football a lot. Fair. But even when you look at raw volume, he leads all tight end tight ends in air yards. He is seventh in total targets. Like he sees the ball, they attempt to get him the ball a lot. Does it make it to its intended target? Him as often as we'd like? Not nearly enough. And I, last week, that kind of regressed in that his uh, target accuracy was actually very high. 
that won't sustain forever, but I still think we should be playing the guy who leads all tight ends in air yards and sees a top 10 number of targets. And the, the best part is that tight ends terrible. There have been 21 instances of a 15 PPR point game this year. 15 is not a high number. 21 is an average of four points something a week. And not all those are even predictable. Like Jordan Akins and Donald Parham probably contributed one of those each. So you're on average, like three, uh, three, Teams within your fantasy league are getting a 15. 15 is not a high number point performance. The opportunity cost of Kyle Pitts is very frustrating and very frequent. Three catches for 22 yards and no touchdown. It's a low opportunity cost, but he's one of the few tight ends that can actually crack like 80 yards in a game. Danny, do you have any Pitts thoughts you had to contribute there? The the cruel irony is that we were all so happy about, when I say we, I mean Kyle was so happy about, <laughs> about 99% route participation rate for Kyle Pitts when he wasn't doing anything last week that scale they scaled that way back they would scale that way back and he did great so maybe they're on to something I don't know also there, there was a little graph I saw where they have Kyle Pitts turning left all of his routes go to the oh, left yeah. and I think that's because of the bum knee I honestly think that they're trying to work around the fact that he has an extremely injured knee from last year if only we had any reporting on this, it, w- it would be fantastic. Um, but, but hey, you know what? Uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. And the Falcons will take it. If they found a way to use uh, this unicorn tight end by having him turn left, then do it. And the Falcons should look very powerfully into having any coverage uh, whatsoever. Of any. Any. The Rams arrive home from Philadelphia as touchdown favorites against the fading Arizona Cardinals. Denny, is there anything to read into the fact that half of Cooper Cup's Eight week five catches came on the scripted opening drive or not really? Uh, you know, yes, a, a little bit, I, I think. I mean, here's here's the takeaway. It, it's all Cup, uh, Puka, and uh, what's his name? Tutu Atwell. It's, they, they, they play, uh, basically, they run every route. This team runs three wide receiver sets at the highest rate in the league. Okay, so we know who's going to be out there. I, I do think that the Eagles made adjustments to make sure that Cup wasn't just getting uh, those those easy receptions in the middle of the field that he was on the first and second drive against them last week. Uh, do I think that you know teams can do that every week? No, I I, I don't think that it, pe- people are going to be able to shut down Cooper Cup like they did for most of that game. So I wouldn't worry. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But that that's going to be a pretty condensed, uh, you know, a condensed target uh, ch- distribution between. Uh, Atwell, Pukunakua, and Cooper Cup. Kyle, one of the more unpredictable situations of the week is the Cardinals' backfield. James Conner is out with a knee injury, but we don't know if Keontae Ingram is going to play. We don't know if he comes back from his neck injury, if he's going to be the 1A. We don't know the the extent to which this affects kind of week five breakout guy, Amari DiMercato. We talked about this too during the week. If both are active, how do you see things shaking out? I don't know. Like we we in the summer debated what what this means, but they actually did list Keontae Ingram as uh, I, I think they listed him as starter because they had to move uh, James Conner off the roster onto injured reserve. They listed him as the starter. I'd be surprised if he comes back from a few limited practices after missing multiple games with a neck injury and sees like the James Conner role. Whereas like Demarcado looked good when he got the ball in his hands. I, I would say. I'd still, based on exclusively the injury risk, even if he's active, I would still rank Di Mercado higher. But I think the only out to one of them being a startable player is Keontae Ingram doesn't play because it's a low team total. A team that's probably going to lose from like playing from behind in this game. 
I don't want to play a committee back on that team where I don't, where I could be on the wrong side of it very easily because it is hard to tell what they'll end up doing. So I'm only playing. Uh, it would only be Di Mercado and it would only be if Ingram is inactive. I think that is a more than fair breakdown for a team that was overachieving for a while but are starting to look more and more like the lottery squad that they are. <laughs> Smarting from an agonizing London loss, the Bills prepare to take out their frustrations as two touchdown plus favorites against the New York Giants. Kyle, is this the game that will help reverse James Cook's recent disproving for it? What's, what's the what's the opposite of improving? Uh, bad fortune. Declining? Declining. Declining for sure. It's been, yeah. uh, been annoying. Been bad. He's not catching. They, they think he's like not a pass catcher anymore. Uh, is uh, being a two tutter home favorite what the doctor ordered for James Cook. Yep, that'll about do it. I mean, anytime your team is projected to score close to 30 points and they're doing it in a game where their opponent is going to offer just no resistance. Yep, that'll just about do it. I think it may mask what is ultimately, as you pointed out, usage that leaves something to be desired. But we did see his routes climb last week after Latavius Murray, like very much ate into the route share two weeks ago. It normalized somewhat last week, but it normalized to something compared to the first two weeks, which is a small sample. We still don't know, I think is the answer. And we still don't know who's going to be the goal line back. Last week, they didn't have a back that got a goal line carry. Other weeks, like Damian Harris has one week leading the team in goal line carries among the running backs, at least. Tavius Murray has at least one. So does James Cook. So we still don't know a lot, but there's so much margin for error. The third running back could very easily score a touchdown in this game. Probably will. So yeah, this is a very obvious start, even if it may ultimately not exactly be a truth-telling game. That actually does make a lot of sense. But Damian Harris is scoring two second-half touchdowns in this game. I just realized yeah, that is very disturbing to hear. Denny, Darren Waller finally had a usable game, but then Daniel Jones got injured. But does it hear Daniel Jones is probably going to play through his neck injury this week? What we saw from Darren Waller, real. They've been trying to make Darren Waller happen, and they just haven't been able yeah. to because of how bad their offensive environment is. We, what what know, were the takeaways with, for Darren Waller? When I first looked strongly into this, I, I thought, oh, well, this was runaway negative game script. But come on. I mean, we're going to see this literally <laughs> every week for the, for the Giants. Uh, 11 targets, 8 catches for Waller for 86 yards. The one usage change that I couldn't help but notice was – they seem to be done with this thing where they're they're trying to use Darren Waller as a boundary receiver, which is just hilarious. Um, he had a 65% slot, ra- uh, slot rate against the Dolphins. That's uh, higher than his season season long um, rate of 46%. So I, I think that, that that's that's good news. Uh, it, it could give him some more you know kind of easy PPR scammy type type catches in the middle of the field. Um, if Jones doesn't play, you have, t- uh, Terod Taylor in a revenge game. No one, no one stops. That's half the league though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many people and, take revenge on. He's like the bride from Kill Bill. The Zoomers have no idea. But, um, <laughs> too, too so, much revenge. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, it was good to see, uh, but man, I mean, it's, it's so difficult to, for anyone to get anything going in this offense for as long as that offensive line is that bad that could include Saquon Barkley, but I feel like they're almost ramping down Saquon (laughs) or or they're they're not trying to like rush him anymore. At least he is practicing. He's genuinely questionable. Yeah. Saquon goes, he's like a lower end RB two. You're almost always still starting Saquon, but just knowing that it's not going to be a good offensive environment for a variety of reasons. And Saquon could easily bust if he returns to the lineup 
This week's down bad bowl, of course, is the Raiders hosting the Patriots. Is about three point home favorites in Las Vegas. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Patriots fans there, though. Danny, Bill Belichick has pledged to quote start over after last week's ritual humiliation at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. What is our best guess to what that means? Is it a run game commitment? That's kind of the way I've been interpreting it. Bill Belichick's like, all right, we're going to run the ball 45 times a game now. But what do you think the Pats' offensive approach is going to be this week? I mean, I, that sounds as good as any to me. I, 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 I actually think that they are stuck. Um, you know, as, as far, they don't have they don't have anything behind Mac Jones. Like like Bailey Zappi's like barely an NFL caliber quarterback. Let's let's be honest. If if he had anything going for him, he would be the starter right now. Um, yeah, but, he they it is probably overlooked. They were willing to expose him to waivers coming out of training camp, and no yes, one claimed him. So. So yeah, I mean, if they if the Patriots can do that, can lean on the run, I think I think they they might do that. But then you have to look at the you know the the, the stats, the numbers, the underlying stuff for Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, and they're real bad. They're they're awful. Like they they haven't been efficient in any manner, a pass catching or or rushing. So I I don't know, man. I I try to come up with like a really good like formula for like how to get New England back on track. There's nothing. There's just nothing here. I I I don't know. I feel like I feel like Belichick's in trouble. Is their offensive line used to be a road paving line, Kyle? But is that really the case anymore? The, the Pats like don't have like some super great. They don't have a bad offensive line. No, they've also been banged up throughout the year. And even as they get healthy, like the continu- the lack of continuity entering whatever week you want to say they're getting healthy, probably not great. But I do think you know the running backs both been inefficient. The line's bad. The offense is bad. I just I, I'm like Denny. Like what uh, the path to getting back on track uh, wears red and yellow in his name, Caleb Williams, and it doesn't oh, come, come until on. next year. Dude, oh, that, like gosh. have you seen Mac Jones play football? How many different teams are tanking for Caleb Williams this month? Oh, I, I, I yeah, the unfortunate thing is they're not going to get him. The Bears are going to they're going to get that guy, but. <laughs> There's, it's a good quarterback class. I wonder, is Caleb Williams for sure the number one? A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent might obviously be obvious. What, what about Drake May? Oh, no. Drake May profiles to me as a guy who come M- March and April will be shooting up draft. I started seeing people like truth. Like, I think Caleb doesn't Caleb Williams kind of like happy feet. Um, but I, mean, I think Mahomes kind of had happy feet. Well, college. yeah, but I mean, that cuts both ways. Like Zach Wilson has happy feet where he rolls out and makes a great throw. Uh, probably didn't need to roll out in that situation. And it's just that he has really good talent around him and it works out well. But yeah, I'd say maybe it's arguable that Caleb Williams has happy feet, but he he makes Mahomesian throws. And like I, like we said, every, you know, Mahomesian throws in the Pac-12 aren't that hard to come by, to be fair. No. But he makes some <laughs> truly like physically gifted throws that uh, Belichick is just waiting on seeing. Kyle, real quick in this game, Devontae Adams versus Jacoby Myers. I'm going to be pretty concerned if Josh McDaniels like prioritizes the Jacoby Myers revenge game. As, <laughs> as Denny has heard me rant, he did not prioritize the Devontae Adams revenge game. And I think it'll be a really bad sign for Devontae Adams if – Josh McDaniels goes all in on getting Jacoby his after he didn't go all in, all in on getting Devonte his. This oh, is analytics. Let's let's no yeah let's let's chill out with this. Adams is third in the NFL in air yard share. He is first in the NFL in target share. Even after the quiet week five, literally seeing the ball more as a cut of his team's overall passing volume than any other receiver in the NFL. 
calm down, calm down. And that's not to say Jacoby Myers isn't also seeing the ball a lot. He's like 12th in targets per game. He's top 20 in target share. He's seeing a bunch of red zone looks as well. This is a very uh, Cooper Cup Pukunakua situation where they just don't, they're not throwing to a single other player on this team. So you can have two guys that both profile as like a top five receiver and a top 15 to 20 receiver. So yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned with Devontae and that's not a slight on Jacoby. The Saints and Texans are not the worst game of the week. They just are the last game of the week. Kyle, are the odds of a Texans bounce back low against the stout Saints pass defense? Texans seem to have been flying super high until getting humbled by the Falcons in week five. Yeah, I don't think they're low in that. I think most times when a good quarterback uh, is facing what is a good defense, but you know they're not the, they're not even the best defense in the league. Even then, like good quarterbacks routinely beat. We, we watched Brock Purdy destroy a really good defense. So I'm not concerned because I think CJ Shroud is just really genuinely good with no caveats to that. And even when we saw they're down week five, Shroud took no sacks, was not intercepted, and they had five scoring drives. Four of those ended in field goals. If they just have a little better luck, and I mean, luck is part of it, also playing better on third down is part of it, but if they have better late down luck, they probably punch in a few more touchdowns instead of Kaimi Fairbairn field goals. That's their kicker, right, Denny? You're the kicker guy. Oh, yeah, Mr. Kaimi. We love Kaimi. So, yeah, even in what was obviously like an underwhelming fantasy and real-life game, they were dangerously close to having a solid outing. I'm, And we've seen, like, we saw a really good Pittsburgh defense unable to stop Stroud. So no, I'm, I'm not concerned. And I'd be still treating Stroud as like on that QB one borderline. Denny Chris Olave has his three catches for 16 yards since Derek Carr injured his shoulder. One of them was a touchdown. He had another touchdown that he caught in the end zone in new England that he could not secure. He could not complete the catch process. Are we concerned? Derek Carr is practicing in full finally again this week. Can Chris Olave maybe get back to what he was doing in weeks one to three? Rich Rebar has once again, once again, gotten away with it. I know, uh, I know. His Chris Olave take. Turns out he was right. So here's the thing that's happening with Olave. 35% of his targets are beyond 20 yards downfield. That's just too many. Too many dang long targets for Chris Olave. That was at 22% last season. Um, his So his average depth of target went from 12, around 12 in the first three games of the season, to north of 20 with Kamara's return to the lineup. Again, this is something we do not want to see. Uh, 246 air yards over the past two weeks. Folks, he has 15 actual <laughs> yards. So I will say Carr played a lot better last week. He, he did. was dreadful two weeks ago. And, it, you know, the Occam's Razor says it was probably the AC joint sprain that he was dealing with. Last week, his uh, his completion percent over expected hit a season high. His ADOT normalized to around nine where it was yeah. in the weeks before the shoulder injury. So I'm going to say it's it's probably fine. Like you said, Denny, it's going to be really volatile if he has a 20 ADOT. That is insanely high for a guy who's his team's wide receiver one. Right. But the good news is that I think at least Carr, I mean, he looked back on track to me last week. I, so yeah, me too. Uh, but, but, you know, this thing, oh gosh, it's just driving me nuts. The fact that like Kamara comes back and they're like, eh, we don't need a lobby. We're like, we're, he's just, he's just a deep threat now. I mean, come on, man. Like, like, do you treat this guy? This guy's like elite and they just, the saints don't care. Nope. They don't care. And yeah, 25 more touches goes without saying incoming for Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams is eligible to return in week seven. We haven't heard anything about him though. No, we haven't. So we'll see. What the Saints have a lot of reporters, but it's very hard to get information out of that team. They're a black box. They That's were true. under Sean Payton. Has continued under Dennis Allen. We're not a black box. We left it all on the field. All of our thoughts. <laughs> the show is over. 
And uh, Denny's regression files are up there. Kyle's 32 stats up there. My rankings are up there. I am going uh, going to Canada this weekend. Oh, so right. To be honest. Uh, <laughs> Kyle might have not known that or had forgotten about that. I'm I didn't know it was Canada. I didn't realize how far you're traveling. Canada, going to Quebec City. I speak French. Nope. Don't know a single word of French. Uh, but uh, Denny is going to be hosting the Denny Kyle didn't know this part. It's just a big reveal. Kyle Denny's hosting <laughs> at the recap show on Sunday night. My big reveal is I'm not doing it then. <laughs> so I'll be gone Sunday evening. Denny will be here. Everything will still be there next week. Everything's going to still be there on Sunday. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We will be back later.